All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to see each of you out this morning. Uh, we do have another handout, and hopefully when you walked in, you were handed one of those. Um, does anyone need a handout? Um, if uh, Some fill-ins, if you would like one. They're, um, they're uh, I think, okay, Joe will, Joe will bring one to you. They're on that back table. Uh, we are going to be... Actually, uh, we're going to be in the book of Revelation towards the end, uh, Revelation uh, probably chapter 21 you could turn to. We've got some scripture up on the screen, um, but we'll be looking at uh, many of the verses in the last couple chapters of the book of Revelation, but a couple weeks, not last week. Last week we were uh, snow and iced in, so glad things have melted off um, so we could be here this morning. Well, we started a new series a couple weeks ago where we are going to look at uh, things that we will see in heaven. And last or two weeks ago, we had talked about, we know, um, you don't need to turn there, but in uh, the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, Paul was writing to the church there. And uh, I began the lesson two weeks ago by asking the question, uh, what is going to happen when you die? Or really, what are you going to see immediately after you die? Or what are you going to see when Jesus comes back at the rapture? What is, the, what is it that we are going to see? And we covered that um, a couple weeks ago. We looked at that. And we know through Scripture, the Bible uh, reassures us, in fact, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 what uh, happens to the believer who passes away. Uh, they don't make it to the rapture, but what, uh, what happens, and the Bible is very clear. In fact, Paul uh, says it this way in the scripture. You can have, he says, we are confident. Isn't it nice to know that it's not we believe uh, this to be true or we think this is what's going to happen the Bible actually tells us that when a believer closes their eyes in death to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord tonight I hope you come back but we're going to remember one of our uh, beloved uh, church members tonight Barb isn't with us anymore in the body but we know through scripture, we know where she's at. She's present with the Lord. So that is what happens to the believer immediately after death. Now, last week, we looked at the passage of scripture in Revelation chapter number four. And uh, the apostle John tells us what is going to happen uh, at that time when Jesus returns to the clouds for those believers. And uh, we call it the rapture. What will immediately happen after the rapture? What are we going to see when the rapture occurs? It's going to be instantaneous, the Bible tells us. There's going to be no time to prepare. We are going to be here one millisecond, and there, in another millisecond, we are going to be seeing some remarkable, amazing things. And that's what we looked at a couple weeks ago. Uh, God, through uh, the Apostle John, revealed uh, what John uh, um, John wrote down what he saw. He saw the throne room and the setting there in heaven, and what that he had some descriptions and of 
what he saw. He, of course, saw God sitting on the throne. He saw the saints that uh, were there with Jesus, um, the four beasts. He, of course, saw Jesus. And so these, um, you know, so much, um, I was thinking about this, um, uh, the, some of the things that are talked about, about what we will see, uh, there's real good descriptions for it. But you know, when John was trying to describe God, there actually are not words to describe God. And so much of what he was describing God and what his throne looked like, it, it was he was describing it as it's like this. That's the best he can do. And um, and here this morning we're gonna we're gonna get into the heavenly Jerusalem and there are many things that uh, the Word of God does tell us this is what it is going to be like but then there are other things that you and I uh, we can't understand it and so uh, it's it's like this it's uh, it's by uh, and God is that way um, no man has seen God. But there are some descriptions of him, and he can be described by a likeness. And so on your handout, if you have one of those, you'll see at the very top of that first page, um, it, it talks about uh, these are good scripture uh, verses. You may want to write these somewhere down in your Bible. You know, what's going to happen after death? Um, they're the passage of scripture in Second Corinthians chapter 5, and then uh, there's the description of what the throne room of God will look like in Revelation chapter number four. And then um, Paul, uh, as he was writing in the book of Hebrews and giving uh, there at the very end of the book of Hebrews, he gives some exhortation to the believers here to keep them focused. And one of the things that he uh, talks about and the title of the title of our series for the next couple months are Things That We Are Going to See in Heaven. And our text is going to be found in Hebrews chapter number 12, beginning in verse 22. And this is a this is, this is a dis, um, things that we are going to see in heaven. Now, this is after the millennium when time is no more. And what we're going to look at... Um, here uh, this morning, uh, Paul actually lists in Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 22 down through uh, verse 24, Paul, if he's the writer of the book of Hebrews, um, lists several things that believers are going to see when they, uh, when we, when they are in heaven. And uh, we sang the song, actually, we are marching to Zion this morning, did we not? And uh, how appropriate, because the passage of Scripture begins. Look in Hebrews chapter number 12, verse uh, 22, up on the screen. This is going to be our text passage for the series. But the very first thing that we are going to see when we get to heaven, or and this is not after the rapture, this is after talking about uh, after the millennium is going to be the heavenly Jerusalem. And uh, it says here in verse 22, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, 
unto the city of the living God, the first thing, the heavenly Jerusalem. We're going to look at this here this morning, the heavenly Jerusalem. But uh, turn over, if you will, to the book of Revelation uh, with me. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21. The heavenly Jerusalem. The book of Revelation gives us a description of this place. And uh, in, ch in chapter 3, verse 12, you don't need to turn there. But John uh, writes that it's referred to as the city of God or the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven. But in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 1, John says this. He says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, this description, the heavenly Jerusalem, or the New Jerusalem, as uh, the Bible talks about this, this is the city of God in the, uh, this is the eternal state, okay? We talked about what has happened to saints uh, today that pass on, that, that die. They're present with the Lord. They are not in the heavenly Jerusalem yet. They are there with the Lord, and the Lord is on his throne there in heaven. And so this new Jerusalem, this is talking about uh, the, the city that is yet to come. And uh, real quickly, it appears, notice this, it's not here yet. This has not happened. It is not uh, Christians or believers that have passed on. They are not in the heavenly Jerusalem yet. We are not in the heavenly Jerusalem yet. This is the heavenly or the new Jerusalem, it will, the Bible tells us it will come down from heaven after the return of Christ to the earth. Over in, uh, in the previous chapter in the book of Revelation, actually two chapters uh, before, chapter 19, Jesus is going to return to the earth in glory. In Revelation 19 and verse number 11, it says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was faith, is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And uh, this is talking, this is actually happening after the tribulation. Uh, John is writing here, he can see Jesus Christ returning in glory to the earth. And we know that when Jesus does return at the end of the tribulation period, that seven-year period, we talked about this in our study of the book of Daniel, Jesus is going to return. He is going to step foot back on earth. That does not happen at the rapture. It just comes in the clouds. But seven years after the rapture, he is going to step foot back on earth. He's going to come in all his glory. The whole world will see him. And what he will do is he will set up his earthly kingdom for a thousand years. 
and he will rule and reign. Look in chapter 20 of the book of Revelation. Chapter 20 and verse number 1. One of the things we know that will happen during the tribulation period is Satan will have his control of this earth. But it will be very short-lived. It's going to be a terrible time. But when Jesus returns to earth, what is going to happen is described here. Satan is going to be bound up. He's going to be locked up for a thousand years. And verse number 1 of chapter 20 says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And um, verse 2, And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years shall be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And so when Jesus returns to step foot on earth, he is going to rule and reign here on earth for a thousand years. And this, this kingdom rule is going to be characterized by peace, by prosperity. But as good as this period of time is going to be, and understand this, if you know Jesus as your Savior... We're going to return with him during this time. We'll be given responsibilities on earth. And so, you know, when, when the rapture happens, there's still a lot that has to happen. We go up to be with the Lord, but then we come back down to earth for a thousand years and to rule and reign with him here on earth. And it will be a great time. He will rule, as the Bible says within uh, chapter 19, verse 15, with a rod of iron. But he is going to be righteous, and it's going to be a time of, of, of peace, just as God intended when he created this world. But this is not heaven. This is not our eternal state. This time is going to be a time that will uh, be a wonderful time but this is not our forever this is not where we will spend eternity you see at the end of the thousand year reign of jesus christ the next thing that will occur is well satan will be loose the bible tells us that in chapter 20 verse number seven at the end of this, understand Satan's not going to have, he's going to be locked up in the bottomless pit. But in verse 7 of chapter 20, it says, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And he's going to deceive the nations. And there's going to be the, the, final, uh, the final events of earth will occur. And then what will happen, uh, look with me in verse number 11 of chapter 20. The Bible says, And the great white throne judgment is going to occur. And this is the judgment for those that are not saved. In verse 12, John says this, he saw, the, he saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we see at the end of the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ here on earth, the great white throne judgment occurs. And this is the judgment uh, for those that are lost. Those that are in hell, those that are in hell right now, they're going to be given a short reprieve to stand before Christ, before the great white throne judgment. Their, their pain and suffering is going to stop just for a small period of time, but it's not going to be a pleasant time because they're going to stand before the Almighty, have to give account of why they rejected him. And what he's going to say is, well, uh, your name is not found in the book of life. And they are going to be bound up and cast with Satan into the lake of fire to spend eternity in torment, to spend an eternity separated from God. And then the Bible tells us the next thing that will happen is the present creation, this world as we know it, is going to be destroyed. In verse 11, uh, we read this, the great white throne uh, judgment will occur uh, and the earth and the heavens fled away. This world is, gonna, is going to, uh, this old sinful world is going to flee away one day. Um, you know, how this earth and, and heaven, you know, this solar system, everything is going to go away. Now, how is it going to go away? Well, the Bible tells us it's going to be burned up. Over in uh, the book of Second Peter, chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, you'll have to turn there if you want to follow along, but Peter writes this, he says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought uh, ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. Verse number 12 of chapter 3 of Second Peter, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. This, uh, talk about global warming, this earth is going to be destroyed with a fervent heat. So after the millennial reign of Christ on earth, after the thousand year peaceful reign of Jesus Christ on earth, we know uh, the great white throne judgment will occur. And then the earth melts away with fervent heat and is gone. Time, which the Lord created, time here on earth, it, 
it's, you know, it, it's no more. There is no time. Time as we know it is no more. And you know what? We are in eternity. We are in eternity. Those that are lost without Christ, they're spending it in the lake of fire. But what is next for us as the believer? Well, what is next is the heavenly Jerusalem. The scriptures tell us what's next. Uh, the scriptures written by the apostle John, the new heaven and new earth descend. It's called the new Jerusalem. Now, what is this place going to be like? What is it going to be like? Well, the Bible tells us a little bit about the new Jerusalem. That's what we're going to look at here this morning, this new Jerusalem. And so let's first, let's first look at the dimensions of the new Jerusalem. This is where we're going to spend eternity. Understand it's after the events I just went through. It's after the thousand year reign. This earth is gone and then descends from the heavens this new Jerusalem, this new earth, this new heaven. And you know, the Bible is actually very descriptive when it comes to the size of the new Jerusalem. And so let's look at this. So take your Bibles and we're going to be in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, in verse number 15, I have some of the scriptures up on the screen, so um, you can follow along there, or just follow along. We're going to be in uh, the 21st and the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation. What is New Jerusalem? What is the heavenly Jerusalem? And so, first thing we're going to look at is the size, its dimensions. The Bible's very descriptive here says in verse 15 of chapter 21, And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. Verse 16, And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the city or excuse me, the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, the, of the angel. And so, the first thing that, um, that we have to understand is bigness has never been a problem with God. If I could describe heavenly, the heavenly Jerusalem to you in, in uh, one word this morning, is it's big. <laughs> it's big. And uh, here on your handout, if you're filling these in, these are the, the answers. Bigness has never been a problem for God. Now, what is a furlong? We don't, we don't measure things. Uh, a golden, the reed is, is really a measuring stick. And so uh, the Bible tells us that the city measures 12,000 furlongs, and there are eight furlongs to one mile. We measure things in miles, not even kilometers, right? That's too difficult for us. Miles. We like miles in North America. Well, there are eight furlongs to one mile. So you take 12,000 divided by... And trust me, I'm, I'm not that... I, I'm okay at math, 
but I want you to write it down because some of the, at least if you're anything like me, I had to just, look, I want you to write it down on your, in your notes and then at a different time or when pastor's preaching this morning gets a little boring, <laughs> just meditate and think on it because it's, I'm joking, of course, <laughs> it's huge. 12,000 divided by 8 is 1,500. The city measures, and it's a perfect cube, the Bible tells us this, that the length, the height, and the, the breadth or the width of it are all equal. So the heavenly or the new Jerusalem is a cube shaped, and each side is 12,000 or 1,500 miles in height and width in length it's a perfect cube now size wise this from just a physical footprint standpoint remember it's a cube but it's 75 percent of the surface of the lower 48 so enormous this is this is a big a big area now taking it a little further if, um, if you look at just the population density, and we live in Oregon, so take, or the Northwest, you know, the um, Washington and Oregon, we're pretty spaced out here. We're not a congested, we're, um, you know, like maybe some islands are just very congested. We're not like Japan or Singapore where there's just people piled on top of one another. We're pretty spaced out although I think we all like a little bit more space. But it, based on the population density in the states of, of, uh, you know, of Oregon and Washington, one level of the New Jerusalem would easily fit 168 million people. One level. You understand that's... That is 60% of the entire population right now of the U.S. would easily fit. And that, that's based on density here that we're, that we're accustomed to. Easily fit on one level. Now, I'm assuming many of you don't believe the earth is billions and billions and billions of years old. That's not what the scripture teaches us. The earth is relatively young. It's about 6,000 years old. And if you were to go back over the history of mankind, go back to Adam, Adam and Eve started with those two. It's estimated, trust me, there's, that's why I even put a little asterisk, right? I don't know how many people have been born, but those that... Um, those that um, believe in a, in a literal creation, which we do, um, you could very conservatively estimate approximately 45 billion people have been born throughout history. And many of these, um, many of these would have died before the age of seven. If 70, let's say, let's say, again, a high number, 70% die at a very young age, 
And of course, we know they, had, they never reached the age of accountability. We know millions and millions die today <laughs> that are never even given the opportunity of life through abortion. But if 70% died before the age of seven, and then that leaves, that leaves um, the rest of uh, you know, 13 billion souls. And if just 10% of those, I don't know if 10% of those in the world today know Jesus as their Savior, they've been saved. That's probably a little high, I would imagine. I don't know. Um, but let's say 10% of those that lived beyond the age of seven were born again. They, they got saved. That secures your place in the heavenly Jerusalem. That means there could be about 35 billion souls headed to the new Jerusalem. Okay? That's a lot of people. 35 billion. Um, this would require about 175 floors in the New Jerusalem. 175 floors. Now, remember, it's a cube. So you have 175 floors. Let's say the floors were a mile apart. It doesn't even scratch the surface of the size. The city would only be 10% full. You see, God is creating this new Jerusalem, but he's made it big enough, more than big enough for everyone. I mean, if you go back and say everyone that has ever been conceived or born went to heaven, there's still, still more than enough room. Bigness has never been a problem. This, this new Jerusalem is enormous. It's enormous. There's never going to be a no vacancy sign in the new Jerusalem uh, because of where space is filled up. Don't think, uh, you know, when we sing the song, there's room at the cross for one more. Well, there's room at the cross. There, there is room for everyone. And um, there's, you're never going to have to wonder if there's going to be enough room for you. God built the New Jerusalem big enough for everyone who has ever been, uh, given, been given life to be there. And some, really, you're looking at just, it's, it's not even going to scratch the surface to the size. This is enormous. All right, so those are the dimensions that the Bible gives us. Let's look next at um, the next at the glory, just what it is going to be like. This is where, you know, the Bible is actually very descriptive uh, in the size. We can actually measure. I, I told you it's 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. We know the size of it. Now, when we start getting into the, what is it going to be like, what's the... The, the glory of it, this is where it gets hard for us to really grasp because sometimes the words just don't describe it. But over in Revelation chapter 21, now look down to verse number 18. Verse number 18 is John, this is what John saw. 
So um, he's writing this in verse number 18. It says, In the building of the wall of the new Jerusalem was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear crystal. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. And then he goes through and describes the stones that make up the foundations of the walls or garnish the walls. The, found, the first foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. The th- and it, it goes one by one all the way down. The twelfth in verse 20, the end of it, amethyst. And verse 21 tells us the city, it has walls. It's made like unto pure gold. Verse 21, it has 12 gates, which were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. Then he says in verse 22, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And so as we consider the glory of the new Jerusalem, the Bible tells us, first of all, the city is untouched by sin. Before the service, uh, several guys and I, we were talking about salt and what it does to vehicles and how um, it corrodes. That's, That's what sin does to our lives. Sin does it to this world. This world, things fall apart. They get, they, um, they break down. Doesn't matter if it's a car, a vehicle, or if it's a body. They eventually break down. That's what sin does. But there is no corrosion in this new heavenly Jerusalem. It is untouched by sin. And if you uh, try to describe its beauty, it is indescribable. It cannot be described. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9, he says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. This is just a glimpse of what it's going to be like. It's indescribable. But the Bible does tell us it's constructed from pure gold. Pure gold, uh, transparent. The walls of the city, yes, it has walls. They are 216 feet high, made of jasper stone. Now, that's pretty high. That's a pretty high uh, wall or fence. Um, It's the height of really like a 20-story building, Uh, one of the largest buildings in, in downtown Portland. They're about 40 stories, so half the height there. You stand up against that. You're not climbing over that. Um, the height of the interstate bridge from the water to the top of the interstate, the I-5 bridge, is about 200 feet high. So this is a very high wall. 
In its foundation, there's 12 layers of precious gems that are listed in the book of Revelation. And it has gates, 12 of them, three on each side. Three on each side, and they're made of pearls. They must be some enormous pearls there, but that's what the Bible says. Twelve gates, each uh, three on each side, made of pearls. And it goes on, the streets, as we know, they are made of pure gold transparent so you, uh, you can see through. Uh, the light of the city is the glory of God. There's not going to be a need for a sun or during the night we don't need the moon to light the way. We're never going to say there's a full moon out tonight in the new Jerusalem. No, there's never going to be a night. There's never going to be the need for the sun. Um, the glory of God will be the light of the city. Over in chapter 22, verse 5, it says, And there shall be no night there, and there is no candle, neither no candlelight service on Christmas Eve, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light. God will be our light. There's a river in the New Jerusalem. The river is the water of life. Chapter 22, verse 1, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And there's the tree of life. The tree of life is in the midst of the street of it, verse 2 of chapter 22. And on either side of the river there was a tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were, you, were for the healing of the nations. And so, um, these are some of the things we're going to see in the New Jerusalem. And then at the center of the New Jerusalem, remember it's a cube, in the center is the throne of God and the, of the Lamb. Alright, so the Bible gives us some dimensions, it tells us just some of the, the glorious things that we're going to see there. But then real quickly, and we'll conclude with these last two, let's talk about who is going to inhabit this city. I told you it's big enough for everyone, but not everyone will inhabit it. Over in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 24, look with me. In verse 24, it says, And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by the day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so, first of all, the heavenly city... The Bible tells us in verse number 24, it is for the saved. The saved, the nations of them which are saved shall walk on those streets of pure gold. So if you're saved, you're going to walk on these streets. So its inhabitants are for those that are saved, and it is not 
for anything that defileth. There can be no sin in the eternal glory. Verse 27 of chapter 21, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth. So it's going to be pure. It's never going to be corrupted by sin, such as this world became corrupted. It was perfect, but then sin entered in. God said that is never going to happen in his new Jerusalem. Aren't you happy about that? You don't have to worry about sin corrupting this city, this beautiful city. And so we know that the inhabitants of the city, it is for those that are saved. No one, nothing that defileth will enter in. And here is the very important point, uh, if you, is that our eternal destiny is settled in this life. No one that, we talked about the great white throne judgment. No one is going to stand at the great white throne judgment, stand before God, and make a case that is going to allow him to change his mind to let a sinner into heaven. Why? It's beyond that point. There can't be anything that defiles. But your eternal destiny is settled in this life. Look in Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 11 now. John says this, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. There's no second chance, no third chance. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. What is that verse saying? What is John saying? It says, this is one of the last warnings in the scriptures. This is the last verse or chapter of the book of, in the, in the word of God. It says, your eternal destiny, what you decide today. If you are unjust, when you stand before God, you are going to stand as unjust. If you are filthy with sin, you're going to stand before God filthy with sin. But, but if you are righteous, and it's not our righteousness filthiness, but when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, what happens is we take on Jesus' righteousness. And if you are righteous, you will be righteous still. And so... Uh, this is a very important verse in Scripture. But then real quickly, um, because we are almost out of time, we've talked about the dimensions of the city. We've talked about the indescribable glory of the city and the inhabitants. Who is going to be living in the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city? The Bible tells us it's those that are righteous, those that are holy, but then finally, notice the comforts of this city. The comforts. Revelation 20, verse 1, it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. 
And verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things of uh, former things are passed away. We're not going to have any remembrance of this life and the, 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 the pain and the suffering that we go through. And then um, chapter um, 22, some, uh, some more things in this New Jerusalem is characterized by 12 no mores. No more sea, no more pain. Chapter 22, verse 3, it says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be on it, and his servants shall serve him. Verse 5, And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. No mores. There's a lot of no mores, and these are all good no mores. Is it, wouldn't it be great to have no more tears, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more death? It's the former things of this life pass away. This is where we will spend eternity. This is this is eternity. This is what we have to look forward to. And the word of God, it gives us a description, a description of our eternal state, where we're going to live, the new Jerusalem. It really is indescribable. You know, words, uh, doesn't, no words that I could say really accurately describe what this city is going to be like. It really is incomprehensible. We can try but in our finite minds, we're always going to have trouble understanding understanding what Jesus is preparing for us. But it, the first thing, the first thing, we talk about what are we going to see when we get to heaven. Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 says, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and next week to an innumerable company of angels any guesses what we're going to study next week we're going to study the next thing an innumerable company of angels and so we will see that and so uh, that'll be our lesson for next week but at this time you are dismissed so thank you for your attention <laughs>